Hey everyone, it's James Lindsay. Welcome to another episode of New Discourses Bullets, where I give a bullet point summary of a single topic within the woke Marxist movement so you can understand what we're dealing with. Today we contrast what is critical thinking versus what is critical theory. And to do this, rather than me pontificating, I'm just going to read to you a few paragraphs from an, an academic paper titled uh, tracking critical, sorry, tracking privilege-preserving epistemic pushback in feminist and critical race philosophy class, classes by Allison Bailey, who's from Illinois State University. This was published in Hypatia, the, Fem, the Journal of Feminist Philosophy, leading journal of feminist philosophy, and it was published in 2017. Uh, I don't need to actually summarize for you what privilege-preserving epistemic pushback is beyond saying that it is this idea that if you disagree with the woke, that you're just trying to maintain your privilege. Okay. She has this actually set of a couple of paragraphs here that I, I make it totally clear without me having to explain it to you what the difference between critical thinking and critical theory are. And of course, they're playing off of the, the, the woke are playing off of this use of the word critical in both contexts, which means something different. So they're going to incur, encourage critical engagement and they may even encourage critical thinking, say, in educational materials. And this is what this paper is about, classes, uh, education. But what you're actually going to find is that they're advocating for something different. And Alison Bailey makes it perfectly explicit and clear what the difference is, what she means. And so I want people to hear it. So I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs from uh, kind of about a third of the way through this paper. The section is critical thinking, healthy skepticism, and privilege-preserving epistemic pushback. Philosophers, she says of education, have long made the distinction between critical thinking and critical pedagogy. So critical pedagogy means the critical theory education theory. Okay, so it's critical education theory. Uh, it is a critical theory approach to education, both applying critical theory to education and teaching critical theory through education. So it's got two meanings at once. It is Freirean education, if you're following other podcasts that I'm doing on the New Discourses podcast, and some here on the bullets. Okay, so she's starting out right away, and I'm not going to go deep into this kind of elaborating. I want to read it, but I want to make sure you know all the words, that there is a, the philosophers of education have long made the distinction between critical thinking and critical pedagogy. Both literatures appeal to the value of being critical in the sense that instructors should cultivate in students a more cautious approach to accepting common beliefs at face value. So we're going to hear how the word game works is what she's telling us. Both traditions share the concern that learners generally lack the ability to spot inaccurate, misleading, incomplete, or blatantly false claims. They also share a sense that learning a particular set of critical skills has a corrective, humanizing, and liberatory effect. As a sidebar, if you've been paying attention to all the podcasts I've been doing recently, when you hear words like humanizing and liberatory, you know you're dealing with a Marxist. The traditions, however, part ways over their definition of critical. So, this is your polylogist problem, the, multi -meanings, the multiple meanings to words. Critical is an operative word that has more than one meaning. It's a crossover word. Nicholas Burbliss, sorry, I may have said that wrong, and Rupert Burke's comparison of the traditions provides a useful background for my discussion in the next section. The critical thinking tradition, and here's the meat, the critical thinking tradition is concerned primarily with epistemic adequacy. So epistemic means something to do with knowing or knowledge, and adequacy means that you're, you're adequate in your ability to know. So it means knowing what you're talking about. So let me start again, because this is the meat. 
The critical thinking tradition is concerned primarily with epistemic adequacy. To be critical is to show good judgment and recognizing when arguments are faulty, assertions like evidence, truth claims appeal to unreliable sources, or concepts are sloppily crafted and applied. For critical thinkers, the problem is that people fail to, quote, examine the assumptions, commitments, and logic of daily life. The basic problem is irrational, illogical, and unexamined living. And she cites the same source for that quote, the Berbalus and Burke. In this tradition, sloppy claims can be identified and fixed by learning to apply the tools of formal and informal logic correctly. So that's a decent summary of critical thinking. Critical pedagogy, she says in the next paragraph, critical pedagogy begins from a different set of assumptions, not critical thinking then, rooted in the neo-Marxian literature on critical theory commonly associated with the Frankfurt School. Here, the critical learner is someone who is empowered and motivated to seek justice and emancipation. Critical pedagogy regards the claims that students make in response to social justice issues not as propositions, propositions to be assessed for their truth value, but as expressions of power that function to reinscribe and perpetuate social inequalities. Its mission is to teach students ways of identifying and mapping how power shapes our understanding of the world. This is the first step toward resisting and transforming social injustices. By interrogating the politics of knowledge production, this tradition also calls into question the uses of the accepted critical thinking toolkit to determine epistemic adequacy. So not only, let me pause, not only are we now jettisoning, jettisoning the idea that epistemic adequacy is what critical really should mean? We are now stepping into the, to the realm of saying even the tools that we use to determine when somebody is achieving epistemic adequacy, even those have to be critiqued. Even those have to be uh, looked at as reinscriptions of power. So doing rigorous philosophy, doing scientific inquiry, doing rigorous statistical analyses. These kinds of things are going to be put on the chopping block for the critical theorist because sometimes they refute critical theory. And anything that refutes critical theory has to be said to be part of the problem. This is the difference between bourgeois and communist or Soviet or Marxist science. That's it. Okay, so to carry on, well, actually, let me just read that part again. By interrogating the politics of knowledge production... This tradition, that's critical pedagogy, which is the critical theory, as she said explicitly, the neo-Marxian literature on critical theory commonly associated with the Frankfurt School. She says, by interrogating the politics of knowledge production, this tradition, critical pedagogy, also calls into question the uses of the accepted critical thinking toolkit to determine epistemic adequacy. It's a lot of words for what they usually phrase as, in kind of high academic prose, as using other ways of knowing, preferring other ways of knowing to the standard ones. What does she name? She says, to extend Audre Lorde's classic metaphor, the tools of the critical thinking tradition, for example, validity, soundness, conceptual clarity, cannot dismantle the master's house. They can temporarily beat the master at his own game, but they can never bring about any enduring structural change. 
They fail because the critical thinker's toolkit is commonly invoked in particular settings at particular times to reassert power. Those adept with the tools often use them to restore an order that assures their comfort. They can be habitually invoked to defend our epistemic home terrain. That is an absolutely, she says it's not a bright and clear line in the next paragraph. That is an absolutely bright and clear line. She says the line between these traditions is not hard and fast. And I can see that there are times when these traditions can work well together to navigate difficult questions. But I'm adamant that their philosophical engagement on issues of social justice must simultaneously track the production of knowledge and ignorance. Teaching social justice issues requires an attentiveness not only to the way students take up course content, but also to the strategies they use to resist it. That would be resisting social justice, because that's the point of this paper, by the way. I neither want to encourage nor silence student resistance. I want, to, uh, I want to make its operations visible by tracking the movements on the unlevel knowing field. Okay, so that is this three-paragraph section at the beginning of this, this segment of this paper, and it couldn't be clearer that the word critical is a crossover term. It means two things. So when you see critical in some education literature, you have to get your spidey sense has to start tingling and you have to get your, uh, your, your patient goggles out and start reading closely and figuring out what do they mean. Because critical thinking is obviously something good. To be critical is to show good judgment in recognizing when arguments are faulty, assertions lack evidence, truth claims appeal to unreliable sources, or concepts are sloppily crafted and applied. But that might not mean critical thinking. It might mean critical pedagogy or critical theory, which begins from a different set of assumptions. In other words, it doesn't care about epistemic adequacy. It doesn't care about knowing what it's talking about. Those assumptions are rooted in the neo-Marxian literature on critical theory, commonly associated with the Frankfurt School, here, the critical learner is someone who is empowered and motivated to seek justice and emancipation. It regards the claims that students make in response to social justice issues not as propositions to be assessed for their truth value, but as, as expressions of power that function to reinscribe and perpetuate social inequalities. Okay? Completely different goals. Critical thinking, very good. We should be teaching that. Critical pedagogy, critical education theory, critical theory, different set of assumptions that does not care. And in fact, takes our assumptions about what we consider valid ways of getting to the truth and says, we don't care about the truth. We don't care about those ways. If those ways give us, give us answers that we don't want, they're just working to reinscribe our own power dynamic and our own home terrain uh, to defend our home terrain. She even says that explicitly. They fail because the critical thinker's toolkit is commonly invoked in particular settings at particular times to reassert power. That's a big, tricky word. And if you start looking through education documents, you're going to find that word critical engagement, critical this, critical that, critical everything all over the place. Sometimes it'll be critical thinking and you're going to have to look very closely because it doesn't necessarily uh, tell you which one. If you see critical engagement, however, you can be sure that what this means is we're going to throw out the truth and we're going to play the neo-Marxist power game with your kids. That's a very important distinction. And so I hope it's added clarity to hear in the theorists, education theorists' own words and the critical theorists' own words that there is an absolute bright line, clear difference between critical thinking and critical 
pedagogy, or critical theory. They are not the same thing, and the word critical is the word game. So you have to be very attentive, very careful around that.